Good evening and welcome to Thursday's programme. Hope you've had a lovely day. It's uh, the 21st of September 2023. I'm Richie Allen. Join in on the conversation via the website, via the Richie Allen Show app. It's going to be an interesting programme today. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. I I think Dean Henderson is one of the greatest writers in uh, the history of the independent stroke alternative media. He's also an amazing bloke. Uh, Dean joins the program a bit later this hour with some good news about his own archives and we'll chat about some of the biggest uh, news stories presently Dean Henderson on the programme what a guy a little bit later on this hour he's the only guest today because he's plenty to say that's right and I've already mentioned download the Richie Allen Show app please and also leave a review for it let others know about it because it's very handy and very tidy and again, if you're listening in the Republic of Ireland or if you're listening somewhere else and you, you get the message not available in your country, it is very simple, dear listener. You can go to your app store and download a free VPN, which stands for Virtual Private Network. And then you can browse the internet through the VPN and then you can download the Richie Allen Show app. My pal Nigel Code in Waterford did that very easily. And Nigel... I suppose would be about as good as me when it comes... Maybe he's better than me when it comes to internet stuff. But he managed it. So if you're... Con- if, if wherever you are, you get that message, fear not, use a VPN. You'll get one for now. You'll get one for now. You don't need to pay for one. And then you can do that. It has been said to me by my great friend Hayden Hewitt that we should be using VPNs when browsing the internet anyway. Not because we have anything to hide or because we're browsing dodgy websites, but because we should have the privacy to read what we choose to read on the internet without somebody else looking over your shoulder. So VPN, I use one myself. Okie doke. Very good. What's happening this afternoon? Well, old Jog Ears is in France with his wife, the old Batlax, Camilla Parker Bowles. Uh, Charlie Boy, they met Emmanuel Macron at the Elysee Palace, you know this, there was a state banquet, you know this too. He has come in for some criticism today, has Charles, because apparently in his address to the French Parliament, he, he or, or the French Senate even, he mentioned climate change and a few political things, didn't he? But don't worry, I do not plan to subject you to any of him. And then Brigitte Macron, the uh, 92-year-old wife, of Emmanuel Macron, uh, took on Camilla in a game of ping pong. Did you see that? It was uh, on Sky and the BBC today. Brigitte Macron and Camilla Parker Bowles in a game of ping pong. Every rally was a single shot. A pair of quadriplegic epileptics would have put on a better show than the two old biddies, as we would say back home. Al Gore has been bitching about Rishi Sunak Uh, the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, watering down net zero plans. It's the wrong thing to do, said the former vice president, before getting into a private jet. Yes. Now, the average journey in a private jet, just one journey, uh, produces CO2, 
equivalent to driving a petrol car from Paris to Rome 16 times. Yes, don't do as I do, do as I say. More on the climate in a moment. But the BBC this afternoon, we cannot not comment on this. Surely we've got to comment. Well, we begin this hour with that breaking news that Rupert Murdoch is stepping down from running one of the world's most powerful media empires. The old bastard is retiring. His eldest son, Lachlan, is taking charge of Fox and News Corp, although the 92-year-old will continue in the position of emeritus chair now, Rupert Murdoch has spent more than 70 years building his global media empire after he started in local newspapers in his native Australia. In a statement to staff, Mr Murdoch says the companies are in robust health, as am I. He goes on to say our opportunities far exceed our commercial challenges. Now, Lachlan Murdoch congratulated his father on what he called his remarkable 70-year career. Yeah, no individual in the past 70 years has done more to dumb down entire populations or to keep people in the dark about what's really going on than Rupert Murdoch, one of the truly great gatekeepers, isn't he? isn't he? As the blood of millions on his hands, this is the bastard that replaced reporting with commentary. He really did. What you see now, even here in the UK, that gormless goon, Piers Morgan, shouting at people and shouting his opinion down the camera at you, uh, Julia Hartley Brewer, James O'Brien, ramming an, an opinion down the throat of the viewer and calling it news. That began with Fox News. It really did. I've spent quite uh, many an hour on this programme over the years lecturing and boring the absolute shite out of you by telling you about that bastard and what he did. 92, and I'm in robust health, he says. Sure you are. The adrenochrome. Is that what they call it, by the way? The adrenochrome. Let's leave Rupert Murdoch alone. Maybe Dean. I'm sure Dean. Dean Henderson will tell you all about Rupert Murdoch. No doubt about it. Um, so yesterday then, Richie Sunak said the ban on petrol and diesel cars and the ban on gas boilers would be put back from 2030 to 2035. Yippee, said some people. Now he got a bit carried away during his speech, it seems, didn't he? Like he boasted about halting plans for car sharing and taxing of meat. You know, do you remember he said that yesterday? He boasted about, you know, well, I stepped in. And I'm pushing back these net zero because we don't want to bankrupt the British public. And you know, he said, uh, they were planning on taxing your meat consumption and they were planning on forcing you to share cars. Uh, apparently, he was talking monumental bollocks. Uh, the BBC's Nick Robinson put it to him this morning on BBC Radio 4. So let's pick up the claim that you made in the speech yesterday. You said you wanted a better, more honest debate. You then went on and say, I've scrapped a series of proposals, you said. So let me ask you about them. Where was this proposal for the government to put a tax on meat? Uh-oh. That you had to scrap with such a fanfare? Well, Rishi? Yeah, there were a range of things that have been proposed by lots of different people in order for us to meet... Well, where was the our, proposal for a tax well, on meat? you mentioned the Committee for Climate Change earlier. I mean, actually, if you look in their reports, they talked uh, very specifically about saying it's particularly important that we see an accelerated shift, in their words, in our diets away from meat and dairy. But I've just spoken they, to them, I've just interviewed them, uh, and they well, said there is no mention of a tax on meat in any of their reports. If you, if you look at their report, it talks about an accelerated shift away from dairy and meat. It mm, says that's not that, a tax on meat. It said, well, it said that... Uh, diets will need to shift away. It also says we'd have to implement measures 
to bring that about. So they didn't but propose a tax. It, I mean, where it, was it, the proposal for to... a compulsory car sharing that you say you scrapped? Again, you can, if you look in their report, it will talk very clearly about what they could describe as ride-sharing solutions, otherwise known as exactly what I was saying. It's and different they from about, compulsory car-sharing oh, well, what, it, what it then says euphemistically is one would need to consider demand-side measures to bring that about, which are otherwise known as compulsion or taxes. But elsewhere, actually, they're very open that taxes should be used to send a signal on things like reducing travel demand or the amount that people... Uh, and people was drive. the government considering forcing people to have seven bins? Another proposal you said you've scrapped? Yes, yeah, so if, if you look in the Environment Act and the associated consultations that were in place around 2021 from memory, um, there's a very clear uh, statement in there about moving to consistent collection for recycling, the clear implication of which is seven bins and you can go through and again, that's what people have raised concerns with and that's what the policy work was looking but at. Hold but, on uh, just but a on. second. No, 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 hold on a second, Prime Minister. You stand up with the authority of Prime Minister in this building and you say you're scrapping a series of proposals. And when I ask you about them, you say, oh, somebody considered and it was in the appendix of this document. There's nothing to be scrapped, which is why your former environment said, minister says you're pretending to halt frightening proposals that simply do not exist. No, I just, I reject that entirely. He rejects that entirely. Isn't it um, rather sad and a little bit unfortunate that Nick Robinson of the BBC wasn't in that sort of form back in March of 2020? I don't remember Boris Johnson or any of his um, frontline secretaries of state receiving that kind of grilling from Nick Robinson when they were proposing shutting down the economy and uh, confining children to their homes. I don't remember any such robust questioning whatsoever. But now he's got Sunak over a barrel. Um, he can't resist it, can he? These are all things that have been raised by very credible people about ways to meet our net zero obligations, alongside the very substantive changes that we've announced when it comes to the transition on electric vehicles and how we heat our homes and whether people should be forced, we believe they should not be, to improve the energy efficiency in their homes. But the Those problem are, is you said yesterday things, in your speech, I'm, this isn't about politics. And yet, minutes after this, your party headquarters issued social media things saying Rishi Sunak has scrapped this, he scrapped that, there was a press release at the local point. It's all about politics. You're making a series of claims that aren't true. No, this is absolutely about doing what I believe to be in the long-term interests of the country. Now, I, I want to change the direction of our country. I want to build a better future for our children. And you don't do that unless you're willing to change politics. No, you don't do that unless you're willing to change politics. They are both right, both even right, of course. Uh, these propos proposals uh, that Sunak said he had shielded the British public from are not in black and white. They're not in print just yet, but they are coming. Uh, there's no doubt about that, you know. Uh, the Beeb was obviously going to check him and trip him up on that, not saying those plans don't exist, don't misunderstand me, but they're not in print yet. You, you, we never saw that sort of questioning, as I said, back in 2020. Uh, Vladimir Zelensky is the Ukrainian president. He's not really. Um, he, he's a front man for another agenda. You know this, I know this. He spoke at the UN General Assembly. He's meeting Joe Biden today, if Biden remembers it, that is. And at the UN General Assembly, Zelensky waded into the climate row himself, rather bizarrely, you might argue. Even though humanity is failing on its climate policy objectives, this means that extreme weather will still impact the normal global life and some evil state will also weaponize its outcomes. And when people in the streets of New York and other cities 
of the world went out on climate protest, we all have seen them. And when people in Morocco and Libya and other countries die as a result of natural disasters, and when islands and countries disappear underwater, and when tornadoes and deserts are spreading into, into new territories, and when all of the Tornadoes and deserts are spreading into new territories now. That's a new one. This is happening. One, a natural disaster in Moscow decided to launch a big war and kill tens of thousands of people. He's smacking the lectern there in frustration. He's a great actor. We have to stop it. We have to stop it. We have to stop the Russians. We have to stop climate change, says Volodymyr Zelensky. Let's leave the climate with a bit of commentary to underline, underpin what I said about Murdoch and what he did to reporting into journalism. Sheila Fogarty presents Afternoons for LBC in London. It's a liberal station. It is fully on board with the climate hoax. Let's listen to Fogarty and her commentary on what's going on with Sunak. There's no doubt, is there, that yesterday was Rishi Sunak declaring his intention uh, to make climate change a political battleground in the next general election. He wants you to think that he is holding your hand... Um, even sometimes lining your pocket to help you uh, through the changes that we need to make, all of us need to make, uh, to contribute to a, a lower carbon emission, our own carbon footprint coming down. He, he wants to present himself as the man that will hold your hand, give you some money, help you through it slowly, gently. And he'll want to suggest that uh, Sir Keir Starmer, with his green plans, and we'll hear more and more about those, I guess, as the as the election nears, um, that he will be more authoritarian about it, making your life uncomfortable. Um, it doesn't change the facts around climate change, any of this, but it might well change uh, the, the, the nature of the debates that we are having, and it might well change... Um, the progress that we as a nation make on those carbon emission targets um, and those green targets and policies. Commentary, this is a presenter. There's no other side. There isn't any extended offer to a Tory to come on and, uh, and argue that. Sunak is going to try and paint the Labour Party as authoritarian on the climate. That's how it's going to be, says LBC Liberal presenter Sheila Fogarty would absolutely no commentary whatsoever from the other side. That's underpinning what I said earlier on. This is the media today. I know that's been said by me a thousand and one times in the last few years, but it's worth remembering. Why Why do they exist, these programmes and these stations? Why? I would argue it's pretty simple. Um, commentary, just like every other TV and radio station in the UK, it only exists, LBC, Talk TV, the BBC, it exists to affirm the views of its audience. Television and radio used to exist to educate, to entertain and, inter and inform. That's a BBC slogan, of course. That's what it was there to do, impartially. Now, every network, every channel exists only to do one thing and one thing only. Affirm the views of its audience and dumb them down. That's Rupert Murdoch. Lefty, listen to LBC, watch the BBC, read The Guardian. Conservative, read The Daily Mail, listen to Talk TV. Your views will be affirmed. 
There is no journalism. It's coming up for 15 and a half minutes past the hour. Around about 25 minutes time, the great Dean Henderson will be with me for an extended conversation. What I'm going to do now, I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to play a tune. When I come back, I'll read your comments and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a kerfuffle at the Irish Parliament yesterday. We'll also talk about the online safety bill before we welcome Dean back to the programme. What was that, Richie? <laughs> It's a Thursday, not a Monday. You don't make mistakes on a Thursday. I make mistakes every day of the week. God damn it, Dag Nabbit, can't sarn it. This is CeeLo Green, by the way. You're listening to The Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk. It's on The Richie Allen Show app, Fab Radio in Manchester, and multiple other channels as well. And I happen to be the BBG, the big baldy gammon, Richie Allen. Much more after this from CeeLo Green. CeeLo Green on the Richie Allen Show. Bright lights, bigger city. 19 minutes past the hour of five. Drive time. If you're in the UK or Ireland, it's drive time in any case. Right then, let's have a listen to this. This um, did did make me chuckle this morning. Apparently it kicked off outside Dáil Éireann yesterday. The Irish Parliament... Or um, outside, yeah. Protesters managed to block TDs, which are members of Parliament, Chuck Tadola, right? They blocked them from leaving the building. It was chaos there, apparently. Let's hear Anya from Morning Ireland National Radio. What happened, Anya? Things did deteriorate for a few reasons. There was right. That's not Anya. Let's start again. I cut Anya, didn't I, in the edit? Yes, I cut. Anya is on the cutting room floor. Let's hear RTE correspondent, whatever his name is, telling us what happened outside the door yesterday. What happened? Who was protesting? Why was there so much fear? Why did politicians not want to leave the building? Tell us. Things did deteriorate for a few reasons. There was that level of abuse that was filmed, that was aimed in particular at two TDs, Michael Healy Ray and Dunico O'Leary, who just weren't able to get to and from their place of work. That became a big problem, the shoving, the jostling. As well as that, there was also a large number of people who wanted to leave Leinster House in the afternoon to attend a former colleague's funeral, someone who had worked in Leinster House, but they were hemmed in. The cars lined up for a very long time trying to make their way out onto Merrion Street they weren't able to do so so for those reasons uh, I think it did uh, amount to something quite different and of course the third one and the equally striking one is that fairly chilling prop that was on Molesworth Street uh, that had a noose and that also had the faces of well-known politicians uh, hanging beside that fairly that fairly chilling and horrifying prop. Yes, and uh, according to some of the protesters' posters, um, both uh, the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar and Mary Lou MacDonald uh, being dubbed by them globalist traitors. Globalist traitors. Mary Lou MacDonald from Sinn Féin and Leo Varadkar Finnegale, the Taoiseach, uh, the Prime Minister, globalist traitors. There was a photograph of a noose, or a noose, and there were photographs of politicians dubbed globalist traitors by the assembled protesters. It kicked off big time. Along with that um, hangman's noose. What were those protesters protesting about? Good question. That didn't seem particularly coherent as they made their way up the streets to Leinster House in the beginning uh, with that noose. They they chanted, you'll never beat the Irish. Uh, They also had posters uh, talking about corruption, posters saying uh, things like Ireland is for the Irish. That was something that was repeated a lot. Also, 
transgender issues were raised among the crowd. But if you're looking for some central tone, something that would tell you at a glance what this was all about, that wasn't clear at all. It was about shouting people down primarily, about making it particularly difficult for them to get to and from work. And I suppose in any context, that is something that will be deemed unacceptable. But I suppose even more so when it comes to people trying to get to the National Parliament, it is something fairly sacrosanct in any mm-hmm. democracy that politicians can do that. And I suppose it's something that has been protected here, even through very dark days. From the Yeah, even through very dark days. The problem is, you've got there, Mr. Reporter, is Ireland isn't a democracy. And it, it hasn't been a democracy in my lifetime. So that's a moot point, right? Forget about the democracy. So you had people there complaining about transgenderism, he said. Uh, presumably people were there to protest the um, Ireland's own uh, free speech bill or, or online safety bill, which is going through the Doyle at the moment. The Doyle at the moment. People were there to protest Ireland's uh, approach to immigration, which is to do what Brussels tells it to do and allow anybody in at any time of day or night and not bother too much about it. So that's why people were there uh, seemingly yesterday. Um, the flag is an issue, apparently. The civil war on. The flag is an issue, apparently. Um, I saw one tweet as well from uh, TD Kieran Cannon because a number of these protesters were carrying the Irish flag or were draped in the Irish flag. Um, and he uh, wrote that our flag is not an adornment for false patriots wishing to intimidate and instill fear. Our flag is a symbol of peace and inclusion. Not a lot of that on display yesterday. Not a lot of that on display yesterday. You know, the, the, the media, I suppose... On, on one level, it's hilarious listening to the media. The media expressing faux or mock indignation and outrage at what happened in Dublin yesterday when they know full well why people are taking to the streets in Ireland and protesting. Because the country's gone to hell in a handcart. It's a nightmare in Ireland at the moment. I haven't been home for many years, it must be said, but I, I know what's going on in that country. Ireland is a testing, is a petri dish really. You, you, you know, it seems to happen first in Ireland. What, what What is coming down the line to every one of us, for every one of us? The, the, the end of freedom. It's happening in Ireland quicker, just a little bit quicker, or it seems that way in any case. And the media expressing outrage at people, you know, saying, I've had enough of this. I, I don't see these politicians. They don't come around my house. So I'm going to go to where they live. And they returned to work after their summer break yesterday in uh, Dole Aaron. We'll, we'll go up there and we'll tell them we don't like what they're doing to children in schools. We don't like the immigration policies. We don't like um, two, three hundred young men turning up into our town where facilities are scarce and scant. And um, yeah, and they're basically, amazingly enough, they didn't use the term far right, amazingly enough. Yeah. I remember back in 2002, years ago. Uh, the Irish, uh, the Taoiseach then, the Taoiseach, on Taoiseach, the Irish Prime Minister then was a guy called Bertie Ahern, Teflon man, um, as scurrilous, as corruptible, as contemptible a politician that ever lived, Bertie Ahern, a right bastard, right? So this was in 2002, he came to Waterford, to the Waterford Institute of Technology, I was working for WLRFM at the time, and we were covering this. And I was outside the blaster caster, the big Heineken roadcaster, the big massive outside studio, outside broadcast unit. I was outside it with the radio mic and my presenter was inside it um, with guests. And I was reporting from outside with, with there was hundreds, 
even thousands of people there. And a guy called Jimmy Kelly from the Socialist Worker Party opened the door to Bertie's car and tried to drag him out. It was a great crack altogether. And I was I was standing right there reporting on this. Fantastic. I wish there was a tape of it. Yeah. Yeah, the Socialist Workers Party leader Jimmy Kelly has pulled open the door and he's trying to drag on Taoiseach out of the car. It was mad. What made me laugh was, right, anyway, they, they managed to get Jimmy Kelly, the Socialist Workers Party guy, away from the the, the convoy of the, the Taoiseach. And that was grand. And, and he went inside the building to the Waterford Institute of Technology. And then we had to allow, this is pure vaudeville now, because we were live on air, right, the talk show. We had to allow a representative from every other party on the air to condemn what had happened. And you think virtue signalling is a new thing. It isn't. It's been around forever, right? So it was absolutely vaudeville. It was the case of um, Seamus Ryan from Labour. Good morning. Uh, Well, good morning, Richie. Seamus, what what do you think of what we saw there? I just want to condemn in the strongest terms what happened here today. We're a democracy. Whatever your differences with your political opponents, attempting to drag them from a car is not on. Thanks, Seamus. I'm joined now by Fine Gael's Morris Cummins. Good morning, Morris. Richie, can I just associate myself with the remarks of Councillor Ryan there? Shocking altogether. Unprecedented scenes and a on our democracy. The Taoiseach could have been badly hurt. And that was the same for about 10-15 minutes. Each party. Well, who have we got now? From Fianna, from Fianna Fall, right, go on, on you go and condemn the scenes and all of that shite. That's how it was. Okie doke. Let's talk about the online safety bill here in the UK. Mark Johnson, Big Brother Watch, was on Julia Hartley Brewer's talk radio programme to talk about this today, the online safety bill, the tyranny of it. There's been a line which campaigners um, that have advocated this law have used throughout, which I think we can actually all kind of agree on, which is that the law as it is offline should be upheld online. And that is a reasonable position. But what we have with this legislation um, is a kind of regulatory framework that hands over power to the platform to police and censor our speech, Um, way beyond uh, criminal law in any case, um, asking them to make determinations on what is and isn't permitted. Um, And I think it's going to set uh, free speech and privacy back decades in this country. What we have is a regulatory framework which basically says uh, censor first and ask questions later. And And that's what it is, the online safety bill. It's going to compel big tech companies to remove content on a hunch, lest they be fined or themselves censored for it. So you're going to have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, removing content, removing opinions, removing uploads, people's uploads where they might upload and they might say something about vaccines, they might say something about uh, the Great Reset. The tech companies will remove that stuff and will ban. That's what's going to happen. And that's just the beginning. That's not the be-all and the end-all of it. If it were, it would be bad and it would be lamentable, but it's going to go much further than that. It's meant in the end to end, to, to, to stop, to close down entirely the independent media. That's what it's meant to do. It's very hard to see how that can work and protect free speech at the same time. Well, indeed, and we saw only yesterday an extraordinary situation, actually, where YouTube censored something which they themselves they were putting out. It was actually on YouTube Live, which is hearings from the COVID inquiry here in the UK. And someone clipped up some clips from evidence being presented to the COVID inquiry about vaccine harms, a legitimate area, area of debate and discussion. Um, and that was flagged up as, as uh, disinformation and content... 
She's very high for Julia. So I'll explain what happened. Yesterday afternoon, YouTube was streaming the COVID inquiry. YouTube was streaming it. At the inquiry, somebody put up a slide or put up a an easel, and on the easel or the slide was information about vaccine harms. YouTube censored themselves. It stopped the stream. That is absolutely incredibly mad, isn't it? That's where it's all heading. You know, YouTube decided they would facilitate the streaming of the COVID inquiry so people who cannot attend can watch it. The minute somebody started talking about vaccine harms, the stream was cut by YouTube. I said vaudeville already 76,500 times this year. That is quite astonishing, isn't it? That could not be put on the YouTube site and it was taken down by YouTube, even though they themselves had been streaming that and it's part of the official COVID inquiry to get to the bottom of what's going on. We cannot trust these people. We had our website taken down, our, our, our page taken down on YouTube in January 2021 for three interviews on my show, completely reasonable discussions with experts about vaccine rollout, about lockdown policy, perfectly reasonable debate. But no, they decided that was disinformation. Now, you know, this isn't about disinformation. This is specifically about illegal content. But when we have things like hate crime in our law, then who gets to decide what's hate crime? Because I'm assuming I will not be allowed uh, to, to, to say that I don't think that a man can become a woman. That'll be a hate crime. So therefore, it'll be taken down by them. It'll be taken down. I mean, there are some circumstances where you can imagine that it wouldn't be that difficult for a social media company to decide, you know, to, to see what might be illegal content online. But more personally, there are a myriad of different examples where it would be so difficult, where the police and the courts find it difficult to know what speech is and isn't illegal. So how could a social media platform possibly make that kind of judgment? And how could they possibly do that in a way that will protect our free speech? For example, as you say, where it comes to, you know, the tricky you know language around uh, our hate speech laws or what's grossly offensive these are so hard really really difficult decisions for the police to make in the courts there's no way that tech platforms are going to be able to do this without censoring you know widely yes that's the plan mr big brother watch that is the plan and i wasn't surprised at all but i was angered myself today to learn that caroline dynage right mp who chairs the house of commons media committee wrote a letter to rumble asking Rumble if it would cancel the advertising revenue on Russell Brand's videos. There is a word that I have never used on the radio. It rhymes with stunt. I've never used it. One person used it on this show a year or so ago. I chastised him and I kicked him off the air. I've never used it on on, on a programme. It rhymes with stunt. You know the word I'm thinking of. Dame Caroline Dynage. Dininage, 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 whatever her name is, wrote to Rumble and asked Rumble to stop Brand earning advertising revenue on its platform. Whatever Russell Brand did or didn't do, and I don't know what he did or didn't do. I do believe he might have questions to answer, but I don't know what he did or didn't do. This is disgusting. I mean, this is where it fucking is, you know. And I can speak with anger about this, but I'm going to calm myself. I've had this long before Russell Brand decided to change um, like a chameleon to five or six different, you know, adventure. What's the word I'm looking for here now? Reinventing himself five or six different times from a lefty comedian to an alt-right commentator. Long before he started flip-flopping Brand. You know, PayPal cancelled this the account for this programme and kept nearly £2,000 belong to the show. 
YouTube deleting videos and, and closing down accounts. This is disgusting. And it cannot be tolerated. Whatever Russell Brand did or didn't do, he hasn't been convicted of anything in a court of law. And they're saying to Rumble that you should basically stop this guy earning a living. What, what do they want to do when people are accused? When somebody's accused of something is that we, as a society, deem to be abhorrent. What do we want to do? End the person, like, starve them. Now, Russell Brand is not going to starve, right? He's a millionaire, but fuck Russell Brand. I totally disagree with, with this. This is outrageous. Rumble has basically said, no, we won't do that. And that's good for now, that Rumble will not acquiesce to the House of Commons Media Committee and, and stop Russell Brand making a book on, on, on the channel or on the platform, right? But you know where that ends. Brand, Brand is okay and he will be okay whatever else happens. If he's innocent, it's a terrible thing what's happening to him. If he's guilty, well, right? But there are people who don't have millions of pounds in the bank in a massive country manner, Dan Seth, who, who, who make a meagre living using social media to do that, using YouTube, using other platforms. What do they want? What, what are they trying to do? Bring in a, 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 a norm whereby if somebody's accused of something and it's on the blacklist of things you can't be accused of, that they're fucked, you know, that we starve them. It's, it's, it's disgraceful. It's disgraceful. Rumble is refusing to follow in YouTube steps and demonetize brand, says Sky News. And uh, Caroline Dynage or Dinanage, I think it's Dynage. Wow. Cupid stunt, eh? Horrible, rotten, wretched. Horrible people, these people. Do, do you think they know? Are they ignorant? Do they not know where this ends? Do they think they are immune from this um, dystopian lunatic asylum they're, they're, they're creating? Do they think that they will be immune from the horrors of it in the future? You know? Yeah, we'll cancel everybody we don't fucking like, but then you'll be left on your own with nobody to stand up for you when they decide that your time is up, as they inevitably will in this lunatic asylum of the future. It's 26 minutes to the top of the hour. This is the Richie Allen Show. Dean Henderson is standing by and will be with us in a couple of moments' time. Keep your comments coming in via the app or via the website richieallen.co.uk then. Right, music from The Bride of Satan herself and Borderline. Dean Henderson is standing by. Just before we welcome Dean back to the programme, uh, let me read out one or two of your messages. I'll tell you what we'll do there. I, I'm terrible for doing this. Just before we, we, we welcome Dean back, I'm going to read out one or two comments. Thank you for them. I appreciate them greatly. Uh, Pandora says, Julia Hartley Brewer... Prior dictated previously what was allowed regarding speaking about vaccines and uh, took them herself and shouted anyone down who, who dared to suggest they were dangerous, says Pandora. Um, did she? I, I'm not sure about that, but if you say so, maybe she did. Caroline says, and a number of you are saying that the protests in Dublin were quite obviously attended by saboteurs. You know, is that there were some righteous protesters taking to Dublin taking to the trains and the buses. And what you get is you get saboteurs. You get people who are paid by dark actors to make the protesters look bad because apparently there was some violence there. 
And that is a, a point being made by many listeners. Uh, Diane says politicians think they live in a consequence-free world. They do not. Remember Ceausescu, Romania? He found out the hard way, says Diane. Donald says, I heard from mainstream sources that future demonstrators or protests could be kept as far away or a far distance away from uh, government buildings. Thank you. Uh, for all of those comments, they are uh, flying in. My guest is an old and valued friend of mine. He's a magnificent writer. Uh, a really great writer. I said at the top of the programme, for me, one of the best, if not the best writers of books in the alternative media space or independent media. Um, he's a great broadcaster too. His wife, Jill, has recently begun to put back together the archive, Dean Henderson Left Hook wordpress.com. Do you remember that? Fantastic website. Let's welcome back our friend, Dean Henderson. How are you, Dean? Welcome back. Hey, Richie. Thanks for having me back. And, uh, before I go anywhere else, just uh, prayers to Bobby, man. Oh, thanks, Dean. Uh, you're very kind, thanks. She's, she's going to have x-rays tomorrow morning. So so she'll be put to sleep for that. That's the beginning of it before we start doing the whole stem cell thing. But thanks, pal. I really mean that. I know you you know that pain. You're an animal lover yourself. So, so um, yeah, thanks for the positive energy. It is yeah. truly great to have you back, mate. And I hope all is well with Jill as well. Uh, let's start with a couple of things. Rupert Murdoch. What sort of a character is Rupert Murdoch, who, it has been announced, will be stepping back and handing over the reins to his son Lachlan, the Fox Core Empire? What about that? What sort of uh, impact has Rupert Murdoch had on the current paradigm, do you reckon? Yeah, well, News Corp, you know, and um, that's uh, the, the, the two biggest stockholders uh, are Murdoch, who's a you know, huge Zionist, and then the Prince uh, Alawid bin Talal, the Saudi prince. So uh, maybe it's timely because we got this dynamic emerging now where Saudi Arabia and Israel are going to sign this uh, peace treaty, right? And um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of, it, it's the right wing half, I guess, of the, what we're, what we're led to believe or taught to believe by the crown is a two-sided political argument. So it's the, the more right-wing half of that, uh, it's just a corporatist act. They're both the same. I mean, CNN plays the other part uh, of that, you know, duality, that fake duality. And they're, you know, they're owned by AT&T right now. The people don't even know that. But so it's just this fake, uh, it's all fake. Everything's a movie, right? So Trump's the movie star and it's a movie. It's just that simple. And he's he's used to do all kinds of things to people, um, and, that, and then they just can't lay off him, right? I mean, he's just in the news like all the time, and that's why because you have to keep this hive mind going where there's this two-sided argument that's really the same on the same side, the corporate side, the crown side, and meanwhile the you know there is no room for any any other debate. Ask Russell Brand, um, you know, ask uh, Scott Ritter recently asked me <laughs> yeah. whose website was deleted in first in 2014 and then again in 2019 and um the first time it was trackable by mike harris through veterans today to uh fort huachuca arizona the signal ops base uh for the army in the u.s so it's all darpa it's all mind control it's unbelievable the, the level of mind control that we're seeing in this epoch of history it's, i don't think it's ever been anything close to this and it's all of course accomplished with the screens whether it's a phone screen a computer screen a tv screen 
you know, it's all accomplished through the, the, the movie. And so the movie now is, is a proactive thing. It's not, we're not just watching a movie. We're part of the movie We're you know, it's interactive. And, um, but you know, things on the other hand, you know, things uh, aren't going that well for them because a lot of people are kind of snapping out of the movie too and, uh, wake it up to bigger things than they could ever imagine. And, um, so yeah, Murdoch passing it to his son. I'm sure it doesn't change much. Uh, you know, Tucker Carlson was fired from Fox, uh, it was within six months of BlackRock taking a 15% stake in Fox. So what's happening now is the crown is literally sort of, you know, they're cutting in the commoners as, you know, like whatever. And then, and they're, they're just, uh, they're, they're, they're a business empire more than they've really ever been maybe in the history of their existence through BlackRock, through Vanguard in the United States, state street capital, all these offshore, uh, you know, Eagle Star Insurance, uh, George Soros Quantum NV Fund. And Soros, of course, funds all the, you know, uh, the Pointer Institute and all these things that censor the Internet. And, yeah, take make I guess make YouTube take its own video <laughs> off the air. Hilarious, isn't it? It's pretty funny, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's all just one big happy family, and it's getting more concentrated, more obvious. Uh, they're, they're becoming more public. All the time, you have this uh, Jacinda Ardern over there with Prince Willie or whatever, you know, pushing his uh, moon shot or earth shot or whatever it is. Uh, horseshit. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, but... yeah. <laughs> she spoke but... at the uh, UN General Assembly and she called openly for blanket censorship. She said that free speech is a weapon of war. That was right. her exact turn of phrase. Free speech yeah. is a weapon of war. That's right. And they call themselves liberals, these people. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's what's funny is the liberals have become sort of the, you know, the most intolerant, illiberal, um, short, fused, uh, sort of uh, emo emotive uh, people. And they've that, that's part of the, the brainwashing of which Trump was a major part, driving him kind of nuts. And then and then you just everything you oppose Trump with, whether it's the FBI or the CIA or the mainstream media, AT&T or General Electric or whatever, those are the good guys now. So all of a sudden the liberals, you know, aren't liberal anymore because they side with the establishment. They side with the intelligence services, the mainstream media and things of that nature. And that was all accomplished using Trump as this red herring, as was the hatred of Russia, which has led us to the, you know, the brink of World War Three. No joke. And. So that was part of that too. Dean, where stay, had, you know, Russiagate, Russiagate, right? Stay with that for a minute now, the Russia-Ukraine war, if we want to call it that, because Zelensky denoted a significant portion of his allotted time in New York to talk about climate change, which I yeah. thought was absolutely bizarre, really. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's, I, I had a theory and I didn't fall out with him, but Michael Rivero, God love Michael, he's not well at the moment. Um, Michael won't talk to me anymore because I, I had a theory that the Ukraine-Russia war is actually a wag the dog situation. Now, it was a stupid theory, right? And I'm a bit more intelligent than that. Yeah. But that really that not many people maybe have died or not as many as we're being told and that the fighting isn't as intense or wasn't even as intense as we're being told. Now, feel free to shoot that down. I'm still kind of knocking that one around my head. I mean, what do you think? Interesting. I, I guess that's really interesting. At least it's original thought, dude. You know, I mean... <laughs> it's bollocks. I mean, you can say it's, it's bollocks, It's very team. possible, sure. Because again, it's all a movie and... 
you know, you can move things around and make things blow up in other places where they're actually not blowing up. And yeah. So who knows? I mean, it's it's possible. I mean, you know, uh, I know, I know. But if unlikely. It is, it's if unlikely. it is real, I know that it's just not, it's not really a war either because it's more of just a bloodbath right now from what, you know, Ritter and, and people are saying and RT and it's just, I mean, Ukraine is being decimated. They're just throwing people uh, at these uh, front lines and there's three or four different lines to get across and they're just getting blown up. And so it, it's, yeah, but you might be right about the other way too. And I mean, it's just definitely, it's just a fiesta for the defense contractors and the whole military industrial complex um, because, you know, their, their, their cloud, you know, thing didn't come fast enough. Their 5G wet dream electric cars didn't didn't happen didn't materialize a lot of problems and so they had to fall back on the old uh, war machine really as i just think it's that simple and uh that's what you know that's what these bankers live on they live on war they live on destruction they live on lockdowns they live on genocide they live on slavery i mean there's a whole 8500 year fucking history of this shit yeah. yeah and that's what my last book's about and it's just on and on and on we go and so for some reason again yeah the people just keep getting fooled whether it's the populist Trump or, you know, I don't know, whatever. That's that's the current people being fooled. Um, but but the liberals are being fooled too because you know there's I don't know. It's just a washout politically. We're almost post political, aren't we, in the West? But yeah. not in all parts of the world. You look at Africa, Central Africa. It's just lighting up. Uh, you got coups in Niger, Sudan, uh, Burkina Faso, Mali. Uh, there's rumblings in Senegal now, um, and these are all. Um, revolutionary uh i mean the guy in burkina faso they're comparing him with uh thomas sankara you know from the 60s uh great revolutionary leader thomas sankara from burkina who was also from burkina faso and so these countries are all saying you know we've had enough of your yeah you're sucking out our uranium and our diamonds and our your materials and take a hike and they're just throwing the french out throwing the west out and, and there's so there's a in, in the South America we're we're seeing a reassertion of uh, in Bolivia, um, you know they threw Evo out and they brought in this whoever this right wing woman uh, and she she was you know ran out on corruption charges within the last year and they replaced her with another leftist so there's you know and, and you got uh, Lula again in um, in Brazil and you got this guy in Argentina now who's kind of a populist so. And can I ask Things you Things aren't you, over that way, but they're in the West. They just politically, it just seems like, yeah, I don't know. Could could can I ask you this? Could those populists be just another version of Donald Trump served up to the public as, you know? So the agenda says these people need some opposition. They need to think they're still in the fight. So let's give them a couple of populist leaders. I mean, I know that sounds very simplistic, but it has been the way it has been for so many years. I mean, apart yeah. from, you know, some of the late 60s, early 70s leaders in Central and South America who were genuine, mm -hmm. um, we've never really had any serious... After Chavez, I don't think we can point to a world leader who really did want to take on uh, the globalists, right? Because, yeah. like, you, you talked about these, what's going on in Africa. That's a brilliant point you make there. But even if any of those people are genuine... They'll just be sanctioned back to the Stone Age anyway, or they'll be brought low by, by wars and by revolutions that are funded by and, and um and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah won't they? I mean that's how it works, that. right? Yeah. Yeah, they're already working on that. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean it'll work. And 
Russia has a lot to say about it because they're providing a lot of aid for these countries. China's built a lot of infrastructure uh, for these countries. And there really is this global shift going on where, you know, it's, it's no longer like, um, I mean, yeah, and it's true. They, they got ahead of us. What happened was, you know, George Soros, Open Society Foundation, um, which is run now by Lord Mark Malik Brown, um, who, you know, sat on the board of Dominion Voting and uh, Diebold and all the voting machines that are controlled by the Privy Council, Crown people. And um, he's running that now. But they they got they said, hey, we have these revolutions. Yeah, and exactly like, say, 60s, 70s in uh, Africa, Central America. And they were genuine. I mean, they, these were these were not, you know, these were not created by the CIA, you know, in Mozambique and Angola and countries that still to this day, like Angola, are free from these these guys, at least. I mean, at least they control their diamond mines and their gold mines and their oil. And they got a lot of oil in Angola, so they're doing just fine, actually. But we don't like them too much because Dos Santos is still in power and that was genuine. So, but but Soros, his whole thing was let's get ahead of it. Let's create the revolution. You know, instead of letting these real lefties get in there and, and shape it, let's steer it and let's take, you know, so they, starting in Egypt and Tunisia, you know, and the Arab Spring and all that stuff. And then, you know, into Georgia and into Ukraine in 2014, all that stuff. Um, that's what they've done. They've engineered revolutions. So it's. But I do think, I have to say that, that, that uh, in, in Africa, I think these are genuine. I don't think these are engineered. Because the whole thing in Mali, for example, was the old, I, I wrote a couple articles about it. I didn't even know I wrote them, and then Jill's been rebuilding the substack. So I came, we came across them. I was like, oh, Mali, wow, from 2014. Okay. Oh, and by the way, the first time my thing was deleted, I did an interview on Jeff Renz, and it was called Ukraine and Deflation in 2014 and that's when my website was the next day was deleted so just for the record i mean ukraine's been going on forever we've been talking about this forever right and so this soros thing is real and they 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 try to get ahead of revolutions and sort of shape them and and you know take them the way they want them and they've always done that but they're getting now that now they're really good at it and but that's what's interesting to me about africa is it seems to be this kind of break into that mold in Central Africa, um, Central African Republic is another country. Sudan, I know Sudan's real because you know we we install along with the Saudis and the Israelis um, the the government in Sudan that was overthrown recently. We installed those guys because we took out the leader of Sudan, Al Bashir, because Al Bashir was you know Sudan at that time was one of the only countries in the world that didn't have a Rothschild-controlled central bank, so they took him out, and the Saudis financed that, and this recently was against those guys so i think it's all kind of more like i don't think i think westerners we don't understand we think so like uh, well not you know we think these people are omnipotent or something and you know this is just going to happen because they're so powerful but there's other forces in the world now mainly i mean we've pushed our enemies into one camp which was brilliant right Uh, from a foreign policy standpoint so china russia you know north korea iran they're all pretty tight india is pretty tight with them too and um it's not the same as it used to be and it's just not going to be and that's why our standard of living is going down that's why there's inflation and that's why things are going to get tougher and tougher in the west not in russia you know not in central africa they'll be fine in the west and especially i might say in europe uh because of the gas situation certain countries maybe germany i don't know which countries are most dependent on russian gas probably germany but you know, it's just going to get tough. And and I don't think I don't think this time it's engineered by the bankers. I think it's engineered against the bankers. 
And yeah, that's a big bet and that's a big call, but that's my call. That's really interesting. Dean Henderson is our guest because I think for us it's poverty. I mean, they want yes. they want oh. to do away with um so so gas fired boilers. They want to do away with those and wean people mm-hmm. off of natural gas and they want them to install heat pumps which are extracting heat from the ground but they don't work and they don't heat homes properly by the admission of yeah. the of the guys who install them. So here they're they're really going after people every which way you, you can imagine, you know, squeezing people, telling people that mm-hmm. they've got to spend money to bring their homes up to, to speed to get an energy performance certificate rating. And if you don't do that, you won't be allowed to sell your house. So it's full on tyranny here. The online safety bill just passed here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get what you're saying. I totally agree. With Can I just say this as well? While everything you've ever written about this is bang on, because I've cross-referenced it and checked it, and I'm not kissing your ass by saying that. You are. I'd love to be able to poke holes in it and have a good row with you. But um, we can't do that. Not today, anyway. Um, you're right. H- however, wouldn't Sora struggle to stir the pot in various countries and others like Soros they would struggle if there wasn't a a grassroots movement on the ground anyway look they're meddling in Iran right now we know that but I know a lot of Iranians are genuinely fed up with living in that system genuinely fed up with it secular people there they don't like it now I know you know the the, the, the Ayatollah might say, well, piss off out of the country and go live somewhere else then. But, but the fact is, they're, they're in places like Iran, <coughs> certainly North Korea, certainly in some parts of Central and Sub-Saharan Africa, there are people there that are genuinely pissed off with what they believe to be a very authoritarian way of living. And that's what, yeah. I suppose, is, is exposed by or seized upon by the West, isn't it? There is a tangible, a very genuine um, rebellion there anyway, right? There's got to be, otherwise it would fall flat. Sure, it's both seized upon by the West and it also constitutes the, the genuine uh, uprisings that, that, to me that are occurring in Central Africa right now because it's poverty, yeah, and it's also not being as maybe connected um, and not you know, not getting vaccinated. I mean, that's one of the lowest vaccination areas of the world is Africa for sure. Again, didn't hardly get any. And, but all those things, I mean, they're just people that think straight and they're hungry, you know, they're, and, and that's going to happen in this, in the West too. I mean, it's already happening. I mean, the food banks and everything in this country are just overrun. I mean, people are living, there's tent cities now, not just on the West coast, but in the inland Northwest. Now my friends in Missoula, Montana, and he said, there's tent cities on the Clark Fork of people that can't afford to rent and or buy anything so they're just living in tents and these aren't drug addicts and crazy people these are just middle class people with freaking jobs that have to get up from their tent and go to work every morning get cleaned up and go to work every morning you know so we're we're really i mean all the media just you know they just lie about it and everything's great but i mean really you can just i bet you feel it there too just the the middle class is just caving in and there's going to just be, it's just going to give at some point and we're going to be having some hard times, especially if we continue this idiotic foreign policy of sanctioning people, sanctioning everyone, you know, and it's stuff that we need. We need nickel to make batteries if you want to have electric cars. Okay. So Russia has all the nickel. So just how stupid is that? Which then leads you to say, Oh, I see this is a planned takedown of America, which is more what I really think it is. I mean, all these things that are happening aren't by coincidence. You know, they can't be, obviously. And we had the worst COVID death percentage of any country in the world and Europe right behind us. So, 
it goes back to the Deagle report. Maybe goes back to maybe you know maybe the crown switches sides and I see that's the answer. I don't know. I don't know that part. I used to think that's what they do. They just jump ship with the Chinese, but but this new Chinese leader is a little different. He's he is more of a hardcore leftist, like a Maoist, and I think he more he's like thanks for your capitalism, you know, and we use you like a rug. Now get the fuck out of here. You know, and they're not even talking to the U.S. military. I mean, the Chinese military won't even talk to us. That's pretty dangerous. And that's been that way for a year. So to me, the Chinese are on a war footing already um, against the West, for one thing. But I just don't I just I just right now, I don't think the Rothschilds are behind them. I don't think they've switched that thing yet that they wanted to maybe do. And maybe they went rogue on it. Maybe the Chinese found out about COVID that we did it. Well, that's what they said. The only only interview I ever heard from the Chinese about this was like days after COVID was announced. And the, they had a military guy in there from Chinese military higher up. And he said the U.S. military brought COVID to our country. That's what he said. And that's what I think, because I think they developed it at their subcontracted cheap lab in Wuhan with DARPA, with, um, you know, yeah, with Fauci's bunts, with Jeremy Farrar's, you know, EcoHealth Alliance, whatever. And they released it and they were they were attacking China because they were in China. They were all and they went on to just attack everybody they wanted to attack. And yeah, but there is an issue with that. Can I I'm going to find um, disagreement with you here. I, not on what you just said there, but but the Chinese reaction to that wouldn't make any sense because COVID was um, whatever it was. It was a very mild flu like viral infection. Right. Which which didn't harm. Um, most people at all and yet the Chinese if they were aware of this the Chinese went ahead and was one of the most brutal um, enforcers the Chinese government of COVID restrictions I don't understand that yeah for sure yeah for sure and and they went down this road this high-tech surveillance and they're down that road but yeah the question is you know is it, it just seems to me there's some been some big shift in China and I could be wrong, you know. I could be wrong. No, I'm not saying this. you're wrong at all, but because because well, I could be. I mean, I'm, I very easily could be because I don't know. But, yeah, but you know what it is, Dean. But but I just my sense is something about this this new guy um and the Chinese and just the way that you know when Trump put the sanctions on him, it seemed like too yeah. really pissed yeah, him yeah. off and and um they're 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 just being really uh well I mean they're being aggressive I mean and and we're being aggressive and we've got stuff going on in the South China Sea, I mean, that hasn't happened in 40 years. And um, it's a serious situation. I just don't think people appreciate the how close we are to war. Give with, us an example, Dean. Russia, but China, North Korea, all of them. Iran, Saudi Arabia is probably on their side at this point, it looks like. So this is, it's just, a, you know, so who's running this foreign policy? That's what you, you know, have to ask yourself. Well, I'll tell you who it is. It's Crown Agent Joseph Biden and his Crown Agent uh, Cabinet. You know, he had two uncles that worked from the East India Company. The guy, you know, I mean, the guy's uh, is just a stoolie, and he has been ever since he was a senator from Delaware. Delaware is like the credit card state, right, where everybody goes to set up corporations and avoid taxes, and that's where he was senator. And he claims to be this working class guy and all this. But see, this whole woke thing—it's all a sales pitch. It, it, they sell it like left progressive, and then most of the left progressive people. I guess they left progressive. They they just follow it and like lead them down there, you know, grab their nose and lead them. And but it's actually just this corporate capitalist uh, sales pitch 
all of it. It's, it's virtue signaling, and it's, there's no content to it. Like when we, yeah. we would just go shut down paper mills. That's what we did. I, I, you know, we shut down a paper mill one time, and, and now it's just like get on Facebook and tell people how you're going to do this or how you're going to do that or how you care so much about that or how you're restoring this house because you care so much about history or how you, you know, and it's just like virt- on and on, virtue signaling about nothing. And content-wise, there's there's no there is no left. There is no Western left that I can ascertain. Although I gotta say the interestingly, the the auto workers union in the United and, and the and based the union movement in the United States, I mean, we're 2.3% unionized, the lowest ever. And yet we're having all these labor strikes. So that is a good sign. I know Britain's having some of those too, so that is a good sign. But it's just gonna have to come from the ashes, this new um this new way because they've just taken the left and they've infected it with all their Tavistock Hollywood hippie uh, bullshit and, and they've uh, infected it. So it's no longer about class and that's a problem because that's all it's about. That's really all it's about for me. I mean, you know, it's about class. It's about the rich and the, and the poor and the middle class having to side with the poor because it's in your interest to do so. And then put your target on the ruling class and get rid of them. However you do it. Hopefully you vote them out peacefully in democratic election. Or and, and you can do that. Bobby Kennedy, they asked him, can you get elected? He said, well, if you vote for me, I can. I mean, you know, it's just that simple. If, if everybody goes out and hangs their head, he can't win and don't vote for him or whatever, then of course he won't win. But if you think, he, you know, if you believe we have the power of the people, then he can win. But he was murdered by a Manchurian candidate. Isn't it amazing? Can, can I read you something? Alex Mahan is a woman. Um, she's the chief executive of Channel 4. What you just described very eloquently, um, Biden and the wokeism. Um, she's very worried, this woman who is uh, about our age. She says that um, Generation Z doesn't have the skills needed for the workplace. And by skills, she meant this the ability to get along with colleagues who might have different views. She said, what we are seeing with young people who come into the workplace, particularly post-pandemic, and with this concentration on short-form content like like TikTok and Instagram Mm -hmm. and YouTube, they haven't got the skills to debate things. They haven't got the skills to discuss things. This is a direct quote. They haven't got the skills to disagree. That's pretty scary, that. It is pretty scary. The skills to disagree, especially part, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, but no, that's about it. They've been whipped into conformity um, by social media has played a huge part in it. And it's whipped them into conformity because if you step online social media, you know, the mob attacks you, right? So you don't want to do that. So you just lay low. Try to be the nice guy, I guess. I mean, this. I guess this is how people do it. I really, you know, it's pathetic. Also, it's like something a sixth grader would do, so don't do it. But um, it's all CIA. It's all LifeLog, which was DARPA. Shut it down. Zuckerberg started Facebook the same day. That's a fact. That's in my book. That's a fact. The same day, very same day, DARPA shut down LifeLog. And the DARPA also funded Google, um, Lock, Stock, and Barrel. It was all Stanford Research Institute which has been the military's, you know, primary research facility since the forties. And, um, then they moved to Silicon Valley and they, that, that was, so it was all military from the beginning. In other words, and all these things are military, all these TikTok, I don't care what it is, all these social media things in there. And that's what they've, they've literally drained the 
the dissonance or the ability to be a dissonant, the ability to be different, they've, they've drained that out of people and they've put them into this glob uh, on social media and they just kind of do what everybody else does. And that's that's their purpose in life is to do what everybody else and, does. And they've also instilled in them a, a loathing and a fear of those who disagree with them. And yeah. And if you loathe and fear something, the logical next step is to want to have it destroyed or deleted or taken down. You you will know this, Dean. By the way, folks, you're listening to Dean Henderson. I, I meant what I said, one of, one of the best writers um, I've ever read. Uh, Royal Bloodline Wetico and The Great Remembering, uh, most recent book, um, brilliant read. Nephilim Crown, 5G Apocalypse, going way back, Illuminati Agenda 21, going way back to Big Oil and their bankers in the Persian Gulf. Um, he's been taking it to them for years, explaining how this is an agenda that is centuries old. Nobody has ever put it together, as well as Dean, maybe one or two, um, you know, that have been on this program over the years. But Dean is an amazing writer. We'll get the link to the Substack and all of that uh, from, from you shortly, Dean. But but you, you had, and this is where this goes, teaching people to fear and to hate people who challenge them. This is where it leads. A, a UK MP called Caroline Dynage has written to Rumble and asked Rumble to do what YouTube did, and that is to demonetize Russell Brand. Now, I put my cards on the table. I don't particularly like Russell Brand. I'm not convinced that he's innocent of the charges levelled against him. I'm also not convinced he's guilty. I don't know one way or the other. But this is astounding. It's astonishing. It's horrifying that politicians would try to basically destroy somebody's livelihood. And that's where it leads this teaching people to hate the thing they disagree with. You know, or if somebody is alleged to have done something, well, they must be destroyed. You know, yeah. there's there's no, well, let, let's wait now and see if the police bring charges against them. Let's wait for that. No, the man shouldn't be cancelled. Let's wait and see what happens. Um, yeah. What do you make of that uh, MP writing to Rumble? And thankfully, well, at least uh, up, to, up to this this point, uh, Rumble has said, no, fuck off. Well, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I, of course, Matt Taibbi showed how this is what happened in the United States too. our, our military and Congress people and, and CIA people, FBI people were actually going and meeting with Facebook and literally telling them what to who to who to cancel, who to censor. So you tell me it's not controlled by the intelligence agencies and it just leads to, you know, leads further to totalitarianism. And that's what that leads to. And so you, yeah, you talk to hate people who have different ideas, basically. Or, and, and so by extension, you're taught to hate different ideas. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's really heavy. It's it's really bad. It's a it's a rotting of people's brains. It's a shutting, literally like a turning a switch off in people's brains, where, where they can't go to these places anymore. And uh, it's it's really creepy. So first thing everyone needs to do is just. I, I can't figure out why people are still using Facebook and uh, there's people in my family there. I just got to say I'm pissed off at them. I'm pissed off at anyone, anyone out there who's still on Facebook or Instagram or come on, man. It's a it's an intelligence operation. So just get off it and let it crash into the sea and then don't fall for that shit again. Um, you that, spoke I mean, to me dealing most of the fentanyl in this country is off of social media. It's just destroying our kids. Uh, do it for your kids, man, or your grandkids or your nephew. 
Is that right, Dean? Is that right? Is a lot of the fentanyl dealing going on on the social media? Yeah, most of it. it. Not just on the internet, but they say on social media. On social media. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a tool of destruction for the crown. And and, and you'd have, I mean, you just got to be a fool to be messing around with that. Yeah, you, um, we spoke um, years and years and years ago now. And we chatted and you said to me something that Hayden had said to me, Hayden Hewitt, and you said it, um, he'd said it to me privately, but you'd been, you'd been, this was an idea that was mulling around your brain for years. You saw Facebook and Twitter particularly um, as being almost like a kind of a takeover where, where, where what they wanted to do was they wanted everybody to, to flock to those platforms. And initially they allowed it to be a kind of, um, they gave a kind of a free-for-all. They, there was a very light touch around censorship. So all of this appeared to be very free and open. And your theory was, and it turned out to be true, I believe, was that they were going to become massive um, and kind of acquire a kind of a hege- hegemony. And all the other, people would give up their own websites, people would get off all other platforms, those platforms would die out, and all you would be left with were these behemoths, and that's when the censorship would start. That's what you said to me about 10 years ago. And you were bang on. Yeah, well, you know, there you go. Um, but it's, you know, and they keep talking about looking into them and all this, and I don't know, there's rumblings from different people who you wouldn't expect it from, criticizing social media finally, but but nobody really understands what it's really all about, and it is about mind control because, look, they figured this out um, with all of their research at Lawrence Livermore and everything they did to develop the internet, to develop 5G, to develop all these things. And then Edward Bernay, I mean, you go way back to Edward Bernay. I mean, he was he was funded by the Crown. He was funded by Lord somebody or other, you know, and they wanted to basically let's make the Beatles welcome. Let's make them like uh, the Beatles. This was all the same time. I mean, it's just this push for, uh, well, it really was a British invasion, you know, um, and that's where the hippies came from. They came out of Tavistock. You know, we had a serious left in Berkeley that was the free speech movement, a bunch of short haired guys, serious guys, um, then, you know, smoke pot or anything. Um, and all of a sudden you just got taken over and hijacked by Billy Mellon Hitchcock, who's, you know, Mellon family. <laughs> and he was the brotherhood of eternal love. They were the acid into Berkeley and just, put people out to lunch and um, hijack the, the, the left. And that's how they do it. And this is what they've done this time. They've hijacked this current modern left, you know, more so with the trans, you know, thing and, you know, just different things like that. And um, they've hijacked it though. And there's, you have to, you have to stay focused on the, the class, you know, also, yeah, I mean, Elon Musk, he's a, he's a Royal Society member. You just don't trust him. Of course you don't trust him. He created Neuralink. You know, he created uh, he Starlink, you know, and shot all these satellites up in the sky that are zapping people with 5G. I still think the COVID, by the way, Richie, is a cover for the sickness caused by the rollout of 5G. I still, that's still my central thesis. And I still, and I think that's why we're seeing another spike because I think they're turning up some of the megahertz stuff on that, on the bigger cities this right now in the fall. I, I agree with you, um, on the the point that the the five G the 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 waves and what do we call it non ionizing uh, radiation it has got to be having some impact on society 
and on well-being. I totally agree with you. And I'm open-minded to what you just said, maybe. I remember we spoke about this at the outset of the, the COVID thing, that, um, you know, they, they would say that, uh, well, we, we have a virus. And what was really going on was uh, toxicity, cellular toxicity. And by cellular, of course, we mean the cells in our body um, becoming toxic because of our exposure to this stuff. I'm well, I'm completely open to that. Yeah, I'm, I, I wouldn't dismiss that. I got to tell, tell you a little story. It's hard to we prove, though. Rap- we went down to, to Rapid City, you know, for a medical thing. And it was at this community health center, which, you know, mainly serves, you know, poor people, middle class, whatever people. And um, so we drive in the parking lot and right, right at the end of the parking lot is this huge 5G mast. Um, biggest one I've seen, and one of them short ones with all that stuff on it, the bad ones. I think they're the bad ones. The six, they could turn those to 60, I think. But anyway, it's just right there by this community health center where all these poor people come to get medical treatment, dental treatment. And then right next to that is this trailer park, and it's just full of poor Native Americans, you know. So they're just in those aluminum trailers just getting fried. And Jill and I both came out of there, and we didn't feel good. And we didn't feel good the next day either. And she had a dental, just trying to get dental cleaning, you know. And, um, I mean, that happens to me all the time. Every time I go to, like, Deadwood, I went to music. Oh, I got to see Atlanta Rhythm Section and Pure Prairie League up in Deadwood uh, Friday night which was awesome, but yeah, they had this screen thing and it was, I went and stood over by it and there was all these, I don't know what that stuff was, but making a lot of noise, electronic crap. And yeah, I didn't feel good after that either. So I just think, yeah, they're just damn, they're just like, you know, fourth industrial revolution, be damned. It's going to kill some people. We know it is. We're going to have to develop cover story to say how they died. And that's what I, it's just what I think, you know, coronavirus is and it's coronavirus. You have to remember Corona is crown. You know, so it's the crown virus. virus. It's Look, interesting. Even the common cold is a crown virus. So does that mean? Uh, who knows? That's that's a whole other subject, Richie. Yeah, <laughs> but you'll find um, you'll find a lot of. Um, I don't mean sympathy, but you know, you know the context. I mean sympathy. A lot of our listeners will sympathise with with this point of view, and I've interviewed many a person who um, has been um, injured or harmed or become ill because of exposure to the technology and of course mm-hmm. they go and see a GP or they go and see an MD or a medic and those people don't have a clue they have no idea yeah. but um, no I, I know that, that, that this, is, this is happening look I live in Salford Stroke Manchester it's one of the biggest cities in, uh, in Europe mm-hmm. and they're everywhere these things there's yeah. one about a half a mile from our home now there's quite mm-hmm. a few buildings in between it uh, between yeah. us and it, I should say, but mm-hmm. yeah, I hate it. I hate seeing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. and we're, we're we're thinking about about upping sticks and and, and moving away for for other reasons as well. But mm-hmm. to get away from it, Dean. Dean, where would you go? go ahead. Where would you, where would you go? Well, good question because they're yeah. increasingly making it more and more difficult for people to move to the countryside. Yeah, here too. Yeah, they don't want people moving to the countryside or by mm-hmm. the seaside. They're telling mm-hmm. lies about rising sea levels and climate change. And they're, they're beginning to look at decommissioning towns that are um, coastal towns here in the UK. I mean, it's just a... How do you cope with that as a researcher and as a writer? Is that the well, agenda is so multifaceted. There are so yeah. many different ways of attacking civilization, attacking humanity. How do you cope with that? Well, I just, I'd always say, like, you know, the short story is they stole our land, you know. And it's still ongoing, you know, because 300 years ago in America, I think it was like 95% of the people lived on acreage. 95% lived on acreage, right? 
And so now it's just the opposite, like a half a percent or 0.2%, I think, live on acreage, like a, an acreage in the country. And it's ongoing, and they keep doing it. And just the most recent manifestation is BlackRock buying, all, you know, buying these lots and then building houses and then renting them. And they did that last year. They, I mean, a lot of houses. So they're creating this artificial uh, housing price and rent price inflated um, to, to try to force lives. people exactly into these into these agenda twenty thirty smart cities, you know, these fifteen minute cities, whatever you know, people talk about. Um, and, and there's definitely, there's pressure to do that. And, and, uh, I also, I just think it's an austerity program, you know, um, you know, because everything they seem to do is, is yeah, tax the poor, tax the, the little guy, um, jack, yeah, jack those people. And so it just seems like, yeah, we're supposed to accept this lower standard of living. Well said, Dean. And, and you know something on that? I've got to stay with this for a minute. What you said there about getting people out of their homes. Um, the, the, the conditions set by the Bank of England, uh, the interest rate increases, have put more people, in, I don't have the exact figures here to hand, but hundreds of thousands of younger people are in mortgage arrears right now. Um, and they're going to lose, many of them will lose their homes, and it kills me to say this. And vulture funds like BlackRock will be able to pick up those homes for pennies on the dollar. Pennies yep. on the pound. And that's exactly what's... And that's an engineer. That's wow. a plan that... Let me let me yep. just read you this. Uh, Jean Ann has been in touch to say she heard Edward Dowd uh, speaking with Naomi Wolf the other day. He's an insurance guy who used to work for somebody like BlackRock, maybe BlackRock. And he's mm -hmm. done some forensic work on jab injuries and debts. And mm -hmm. he... What he said to Naomi Wolf shocked her. Um, mm -hmm. Because the amount of Americans who are registering as disabled at the moment is off the charts. You probably know this. And it's down to the jabs. Damn. Yeah. Well, hey, Naomi Wolf, man, she, she stayed smart. That's cool. I know. Um, no, it's, it's they're, I mean, they're saying it's, they can't even differentiate now between the, just the common cold and, and the, and COVID. A lot of doctors are having trouble. Um, I mean, and I also heard, People say, yeah, this winter is going to be tough. It's going to be just, a, just yeah, just a cold, common cold. And, and then we've had a cold already this summer here going around, which is really weird. You don't get colds in the summer, you know, here usually. No, so, but we were warned, Dean. I was we warned. warned. We warned them. And, yeah. and, you know, I think it still has to play out here. But it's had a guy from my hometown die the other day. He's healthy, didn't smoke, rancher, um, you know, well off. Um Everything had everything going for him. Sixty-six years old. Just yeah, went to sleep that night. Woke up in the morning. His wife uh, alarm was going off. Didn't turn it off, and so she rolled over to to shake him, and his body was just cold, like he died right at the beginning of the night. Sixty-six years old. I don't know if he got the shots, but I bet he did. Nobody will ask. Nobody's gonna ask at the hospital. Nobody's gonna look into it. No prior cardiac problems. You wake nope. up dead, nope. and nobody's it's going it. to ask no. what about the jabs. Mm -mm. So, you know, just, yeah, I see it all around me every day. And you see it in the sports world, especially people just keeling over that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still playing out and it's, it is a depopulation program. Like I said, from the beginning and, um, that that's where we're at. We have this class of people, this crown and they're little scientists, the Royal society, you know, stoolies, and, and they just, they think they're better than us and they want to cull us. But it's 8,500 years of history. They've farmed us for 
We're slaves. We're born into slavery. If you don't, if you don't understand that you're born into slavery, you don't understand. You're, 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 yeah, you're, 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 you're in no position to understand. Let me read some comments because, as, as ever, when you're on, my friend, the the interest um, is peaked. Listen, uh, Colin says I've heard Caroline Dynage, the MP, the woman who was written to Rumble, to tell them to cancel Russell Brand. I've heard her husband is or was a member of the Intelligence Seventy Seventh Brigade. Mark Lancaster, Baron. Lancaster of Kim Bolton. So he's a baron. This uh, witch, this witch who wrote to Rumble. That would make sense. William says, I remember, yeah, I remember the co-founder of Facebook saying that it would destroy the fabric of society. And do you know what? All the audience could do was laugh when he said that. The co-founder of Facebook says it would destroy the fabric of society. Patrick says, most Westerners are plain stupid and brainwashed. Less so with most Africans because they know the full extent of the evil cult, which is mostly censored in the West. That's Patrick. Let me read two or three more. They are flying in. G-Man says, during the lockdown, a number of 5G masts were installed uh, globally. Yeah, and he's right. I, I think there was a lot of reports during the initial lockdown that, that 5G masks were going up everywhere. Uh, David says, I'm with Dean. I live in a small rural town. Nobody I know has gotten really sick with COVID uh, or seems to be jab-harmed. And there isn't a 5G mast anywhere, says David. And finally, for the moment, Carol is listening in Estonia. Uh, loving listening to Dean, he says, been listening to the show since the pan- pandemic began. Uh, intriguing thoughts from Dean, that's Carol in Estonia. Welcome to the programme, Carol. Lovely to have you listening. 26 minutes past the hour. Hey, I, I will ask you again before we uh, part company, but give us the address of the substack that Jill is building. Yeah, I think it's just deanhenderson.substack.com. And uh, she's... Uh, yeah, so she started, to, I think it was 2010 when I started that, and got deleted twice, and so it was really hard. The WordPress files came back really wanky, and I just didn't want to deal with it. I, I don't think I could have dealt with it, honestly. I don't have the tech patience to yeah. deal with it, but she did, and so she's up to 2017. So you'll get about five articles a day if you subscribe now, which might be kind of overwhelming, but it's only because she's just got to get the archive back up, you know. It's incredibly valuable stuff. And I'll be able to write some new stuff. But yeah, really good of her to do that because I, I don't think I could have done it. <laughs> I'm a Luddite. <laughs> like, like me. Hey, listen, Bike Hub has been in touch. I love these names. He or she says BlackRock has $9.42 trillion worth of assets and the UK's GDP is $3.1 trillion. Go figure. There you go. There you go. Yep. Yeah, the crown, baby, that's where they got their money. And uh, there's no telling how much money these people have because it's these are dynasties that go back thousands of years, literally thousands of years. And um, it's hard for people to imagine. But um, that's the way it was. Um, and, you know, the media and the, the media, is, the, the media, one interesting thing, uh, the media, uh, you know, started, uh, the Empire Press Union, it was called, in Britain over there. And the... They held this uh, big conference, and it was a lot of these Pilgrim Society people that were involved with it. And um, out of that basically came the Empire Press Union. But then basically the Empire Press Union was where they recruited uh, for for when they started MI6 and MI5 right away. And they also recruited for the CIA from from the Empire Press Union. So interesting thing, just – 
the fact that the, the media and the CIA and the intelligence operatives, I mean, they've pretty much been the same thing since the beginning. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> because yeah. the, the key to intelligence is is information, right? And it's an information war. And every CIA guy will tell you it's an information war, whatever. So they are fighting an information war against you, you against the, the working people of the world in favor of the oligarchy. And because they don't, you know, CIA doesn't work for us. They work for the crown. And they, all these organizations work for the crown. They don't work for us. So people should just keep that in mind. This Five Eyes Alliance is running everything now. And, you know, so everything, everything runs through the city of London. Gatekeepers for the crown. Can I just mm-hmm. tell a quick BlackRock story very quickly? I came across BlackRock about eight, nine years ago, let's say seven years ago, maybe. And the UK Chancellor of the Exchequer, a guy called George Osborne at the time, uh, Tory, he should have gone to jail for years. Um, the Romans in, in ancient Rome, they would have executed him for, for corruption. You know what he was doing? He was earning £650,000 a year from BlackRock which comes to something like £13,000 a day in terms of... He wasn't working for them 365 days a year. He worked some days and his total salary was 650000 You know what he was doing, that corrupt bastard? I'll tell you what he was doing. A company called Carillion, big construction company. Um, Carillion was going tits up, right? Not to put too fine a point on it. It had issued a profit warning to its shareholders because it was in serious trouble. You know what Osborne was doing? Osborne and his government continued to give contracts to Carillion, even though they knew Carillion was going bust. And you know what that bastard was doing, Dean? He was telling BlackRock to short the shares of Carillion. <laughs> that's a fact. Go. That's a fact. Eventually, the press picked up on it. And, uh, but but he, he, he left politics not in disgrace. He left politics under his own steam, and he went on to edit the Evening Standard in London. That son of a bitch. That useless, corrupt scumbag. Imagine that. You're in the government. You're giving contracts to a company you know is going bust. And, you know, you're basically throwing taxpayer money uh, into the fire. And while you're doing that, you're whispering to BlackRock, hey, this company's going to go bust. Yeah. Short seller. That's what, the, that's what Goldman Sachs did during the, yeah. you know, the crash of 1929. You know, they told all their people to get out and they shorted it and that's what also that's what deutsche bank did uh on all the the american airlines united airlines stock on you know 911 yeah right and uh also a couple insurance companies they shorted made a killing the deutsche bank did they uh sealed uh you know uh warburg repository where all the nazi gold ended up getting laundered through, but, uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, Biden's people, they're all from BlackRock, you know, this Larry Fink and this, who's this Wally Ayadamo, this black dude, you know, that's his top economic advisor. Now he was, he was with BlackRock. Michael Pyle was with BlackRock. He's deputy treasury secretary. Um, you know, and, and now he's the top advisor to Harris, Kamala Harris. So it's like BlackRock literally. Yeah. And it always, it's kind of interesting because it's always been Goldman Sachs, you know, that dominated the Treasury Department of Administration. That's right, it was mm-hmm. forever. Yeah, yeah, right. And now all of a sudden, with, with Biden, it's BlackRock. BlackRock, and it's just this full takeover by BlackRock. Do you Michael not? Donald's another one. Do you not get? Um, th- this is a question. It's a bit loaded, but I'll ask you anyway. 
Something terrible has happened to the independent media in the last three years. And it's not necessarily the fault of the independent media. But the system or the agenda or the hidden hand has decided to create its own independent media. And we've seen it with stations like GB News and Talk TV in the UK. And we see it with Tucker Carlson and people like that in America. They seem to be anti-establishment and they seem to be anti agenda but in fact they're not really and mm. i would argue and I, I i put them all in the same boat is that not frustrating for you like tucker carlson was um working for um some of these uh companies in iraq in dur- during the iraq war like it's very easy to trace these people and find out who they really are and yet people are flocking to them they're like pied pipers you know believing yeah. that they that when, when really i believe they are nothing more than gatekeepers for the agenda that's just my yeah. opinion. You might disagree with that. No, I think that that's pretty much true. There, there's. It's sort of like they had to run Trump because Bernie ran, Bernie Sanders ran, and they were so afraid of the left-wing populist uh, overwhelming them that they had to run Trump as this populist, and then he lured in all these kind of right-wing populists with his rhetoric. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of the same thing you know, going on here where, you know, these guys, okay, we built up this. Um, now, the one good thing about it, the positive thing about it, Richie, is that because of people like yourself and, and you know, hopefully people like me and just a lot of a lot of other people that built this all up, the, the only reason that, you know, these people have a platform is because we got this information out to people to where there's a critical mass of people who are interested in it now, right? So that's the upside. That's the good news. The bad news, yeah, is these are gatekeepers and they're just, you know, Joe Rogan. Some of these people they just come in and kind of water it down or whatever. But I don't know. It doesn't mean they can't keep learning and yeah. it doesn't mean, um, you know. But they're never know. going to. T- you see, what, what you did there for about 10 minutes was a, was was, fair, was fairly outstanding. Talking about BlackRock. And, and this is the problem with your Piers Morgan and Tucker Carlson. Now, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. I'm not saying that they are. Um, ideologically joined. I'm not saying that, but they're never ever going to allow a discussion about these people. No, ever. No, that's I, the whole point I, of them, I right? Argue, you know, I, I would argue, Richie, that you know, it's my experience in this life, anyway. So far, I've never met a rich person from a rich background. That's what Tucker is, because, like you said, his dad worked for the National Endowment for Democracy. He yeah. was Reagan's point man in Nicaragua, as far as propaganda, right? And so he, he grew up with a silver spoon. I've never once in my life met a rich a person from a wealthy background who ever really got it, whoever really was willing to go for the, the whole solution because they're invested in it. They're invested in the system and they can't fully criticize the whole system, which is what being a revolutionary requires and which is which is what's going to be necessary if we're ever going to change things because we absolutely have to get rid of this oligarchy and this class system where just a handful of people control the whole damn world and everybody else just suffers. I mean, it's just a ridiculous way to live, you know, when we have the resources we have uh, in this world, but you know, the resources have to be, well, first of all, confiscated from the oligarchy, re, you know, retaken really, because they were confiscated from us. They were stolen from us. They stole our land. They stole everything else too. And we got nothing. And now we got to take it back if we're going to have a chance and put things back into the public sector. I know there's corruption. I know it can happen, whatever, but just, I just, from an ideological standpoint, things have gotten so damn right wing and kind of, it's like a private, 
privateer movement. You know, it's like the, the old the old pirates, the British pirates. You know, who were the Rothschilds too, by the way. And you know, so is the mafia. Meyer Lansky. You know, he's he's a Rothschild minion. Okay, so it's all these are all the same damn people. These pirates, these crown people, these drug traffickers, because they run the dope trade. They run the global dope trade. You know, people have been chronicling that for decades. How the royals run the global dope trade, starting with the opium wars in China. So it's just a matter of uh, I, yeah. I've never once gotten a rich person to to understand like class issues. Cause they just don't, they don't want to go there. They're like, Oh, I can, we can, I can keep my big slice of the pie and still be a helper. No, you can't really. I mean, you kind of got to just let go of that and help everybody. So I, I, thankfully I didn't come from that background. Cause that's a, that's a hell of a thing to have to carry through your life. I feel like that's, it's maybe the worst karma to have to ever endure is being born wealthy. I think it would be. Well, that's pretty magnanimous. Caroline says, what a privilege to listen to Dean. I'm gobsmacked and grateful for his, Knowledge and intellectual insights. My greatest respect to him, plus what a very sexy come-to-bed voice Dean has. That's a genuine comment. That's a genuine... I've not, obviously, I've not made that up. Um, he does, he does. He does sound incredibly sexy, it must be said. You've got one of those ASMR voices. You know this phenomenon that people listen to people whispering and stuff? You know, to help them go to sleep and stuff like that. Um, but no, it's brilliant. I'm not saying you're boring. You're, you're far from boring. This is very, very interesting and very important. Let me read a few more of these comments. Has Dean seen uh, a film by Larkin Rose called The Jones Plantation? It's a heavy satire explaining the illusion of democracy, wherein we are apparently free, but are only just getting to choose who enslaves us. Hmm? No, I have not, but I'm Me writing either. it down right now. <laughs> yeah, the Jones Plantation. I've not seen yeah. it either, yeah. And Christine said, Richie, I was speaking to a man on Sunday. He is in finance with Seagate. He said that the transgender stuff started to appear many years ago on emails, on flags, etc. He said corporations are so scared of losing their credit rating with BlackRock that they will go along with any agenda. Corporations scared of losing their credit rating with BlackRock. From what we yes, understand, please. then, from what you understand, so BlackRock then is about the what well, is about the biggest financial company on planet Earth? This is the biggest investment company in the world. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a big, uh, but it but it is all it is owned actually by Vanguard. Um, BlackRock is, I believe, wholly owned by Vanguard. That's what's interesting. And then Vanguard is a private company. So you can't, it's really hard to find out who owns it. I don't know if you can find out who owns it. It's just like Cargill, the big grain company, they're private. So it's really hard to find out who owns it. But uh, yeah. it's got to be the crown because, I mean, it's an enormous amount of money. I mean, they own, they're the top two shareholders of virtually every Fortune 500 corporation. That's a fact. I mean, I've seen that. And, and State Street is usually up there too. State Street Capital is usually three or four. And FMR is another one. Fidelity Management Research is another one. But uh, it's got to be the crown money because it's we're talking about we're talking about hundreds of trillions of dollars here to, to own all that stock and and everything they own. Another, and nobody can explain it. You know, nobody. This is the point I made earlier on about Tucker and Morgan and all these others who uh, claim mm -hmm. to be the home of free speech. They're lawyers. They'll never go near any of this stuff because they'll be cancelled quicker than you can say you're a feckin' Egypt. They'll be cancelled in a heartbeat. Um, Jean-Anne asks a question I know the answer to, but I'll ask you anyway. 
Does Dean, and we might finish with this today. It's brilliant to have you back, Tom, by the way. Thanks for, thanks for kicking me in the ass. You know, because you're like an old pair of slippers, you. Because I, I love you, and you're always there. You see, and when you're always there, it's not that it's not out of sight, out of mind. But I should get in touch with you more often. But um, uh, you should be on more often. It's great. I know you do a lot of uh, interviews and and podcasts. Uh, Jean asked, "Does Dean allow for a spiritual element in the war against humanity?" And she says, "As it is, as it says in the book of Ephesians." For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon? Yeah, man. I mean, absolutely. And that's really, uh, you know, my book is is about the history of the what I, you know, the Anunnaki crown, I call it. But it's just as much about an alternative history of humanity, um, based on my knowledge of Lakota culture, largely because that's where I grew up here in South Dakota. So, like, we just, we don't understand the nature of reality. So I don't see it, like, maybe the word spiritual for me is still loaded because I still think religion and spirituality and all this kind of woo-woo stuff came out of Babylon. So I'm just going to base it on science, okay? So I just don't think people understand the nature of reality anymore. And it's so, what they're trying to do is take us to 6G, 7G, 10G, which basically takes us away from what reality further into this virtual reality. So yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an element where these, you know, and maybe, and you know, the, these, these, uh, these forces of negativity, uh, fallen angels, aliens, you can call it AI, you know, you can call it, um, you can call it the devil if that makes you happy or Lucifer, but it's these things that are in opposition to, in the end, the truth. In the end, these are just things that are just deception. These are things that are not based on an understanding of the actual nature of reality. So, for example, you come across a bear in the woods. Nature of reality for a human would be to talk to the bear, say, hey, I'll leave you some huckleberries over there. Just I'll just kind of drift off this way and everything's cool. And that, and then probably your berries, you probably get more than you ever had and bear gets happy and everybody's cool. Now the Watiko version of reality and Watiko means cannibal of the soul. And these are people that just live in fear. And the Watiko way to handle that would have been just uh, aim the rifle at that bear and just shoot him. And then I guess send the, the head back and put it on the, castle wall of one of the royal families probably and and so that's two different understandings as to the nature of reality and then probably the guy that did that had a bad day because everything just is about action reaction and it's just science so when you do some crazy chaotic action like that in the universe and just shoot a bear for no fucking reason because you're an idiot and you're scared you just bring all this crazy energy to you and all this bad stuff to you and all this misfortune to you. And this is a story of the inbred Anunnaki crown. They're not happy. They're not lucky. They're not content. Um, they're miserable. And this is to understand that is revolutionary in itself because it gives the power back to the people and back to the humanity. And it tells you, look, you stay human. You're going to be okay. 
These people are going to fall on their face. That's what they like to do. They seem to enjoy it. They're masochists. They don't care about their kids. They don't care about, they're weird. Okay. They just, I can't explain it. Probably because they're not from here. Probably because they came from somewhere else. They don't observe the nature of reality on earth because they're not from earth. So they defy the nature of reality. That's like, again, that's, that's Satanism. I mean, if you just deny the nature of reality, um, you're a Satanist in a way. And this is why we get in trouble with our vaccinations because we don't trust God's immune system they gave us. And so here, we can do it better. Um, we'll replace it with this. And, or we can grow bigger corn with this roundup over here because of this. And and all these things that they do that they call advancements or, you know, the, A, they're not scientific and B, they're not advancements. They're poisonous poison. back to the dark ages. Poison, yeah. And that's what they want. That's a really interesting take on it. Yeah, I'm. As time goes on, I find myself becoming more interested in in this aspect of everything. I, I really do. Um, I'm going to read a few more comments and then give you the the, the final word. Um, that works for me on some level, but I I just I was recently given a present of the King James Bible, mm-hmm. and I'm dabbling. I'm I'm dipping in and out of it. Um, random places sometimes. I'm trusting. I don't know, I'm trusting some energy, you know, you just just yeah. jumping in and just opening up and um, I'm, I'm marking certain passages and I'm finding it all very interesting, it has to be said. <laughs> um, Christine says, Dean is right um, about not being able to find out who owns Vanguard. Um, this was said to me by the same man on Sunday as well. Fran says, Dean is my favourite guest and yes, he sounds too sexy. How can you sound too sexy? Can't be too sexy, Fran. Uh, Seamus says, Richie and everyone, great insight from Dean. I've just started his latest book whilst convalescing. Crazy Horse seemed like one hell of a bloke, says Seamus. Thank you for that, uh, Seamus. And Anya Tranter uh, is listening to this with great interest. Um, really enjoying the conversation with Dean. Jack says, Donald Trump's mentor, Roy Cohn, is said to have inherited Meyer Lansky's crime syndicate. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Nice. Yeah. Interesting. Didn't yeah. know that. Wow. <laughs> uh, okay. Thanks, man, for that info. And do you think, yeah. b- b- before we wrap it up today and I read some more comments, is it um, whatever or whoever is really creating the narrative and writing the script, is it meant to be Donald Trump next time round or will somebody come out of left field, somebody unexpected? What is your gut feeling? Not that it really matters, obviously, but just for, for interest, what do you think? Yeah, it's so depressing to even have to choose, but that's why they're going to try to make it this way that, you know, make us just rub our face in it and make us choose between Trump and Biden again. And, you know, I just didn't vote last time and, I, you know, I definitely won't vote for either of those two people. But I, I do think it's Trump this time because I think Trump's such a great, divider and um and it worked and and it, it did drive the liberals crazy to where they're just unrecognizable so sad how many friends i have who just can't even really talk to anymore um yeah um and biden they had to bring him in i think just to kind of re- seriously just to reside over the covid uh thing and just kind of keep people calm and take your shots yeah stay calm and take your shots and that's all they needed him for but they did need him for that trump wouldn't have worked for that so they now they're going to bring him back. I think yeah, I think they're going to bring him back. And um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's all about you know how, where the money's at. You know, I guess right at the moment. But 
But yeah, I'm still, I mean, I'm hopeful Bobby Kennedy can try to get some traction. I really do think he's, I don't know, I listen to him and it just, I just haven't heard anybody even talk like that for so long. <laughs> Hardly. I mean, he just talks like an old lefty, you know, and it's just like, wow, okay. He's much sense. loved. Yeah. He's much loved by our listeners now. I, I, yeah, of course, be. will. You know, yeah, I, I mean, even, you know, he's had yeah. problems. It's not because he's Kennedy for me either at all, but he, <laughs> on the other hand, you know, you, you go back and read what, you know, his uncle said about the CIA, you know, scattering it to the wind and, you know, smashing it to in a million pieces and scattering it to the wind, he said about the CIA. That's what we needed to do. And he said that. And, that, you know, that wasn't banned from the, the newspapers or, you know, of course, there was no Internet, but they didn't ban him. You know, they didn't call him crazy. They just killed so him. So to me, it's just like the epoch that we're in right yeah. now. That's what makes Bobby Kennedy crazy. You know, of course, he's not crazy. He's one of the most facile, intelligent people you could ever meet well-traveled, well-versed people you could ever meet. But in the time we're in now, he's crazy. He's considered crazy. How crazy yeah. these times we're in, we are in, are. Let mm -hmm. me ask you this. Uh, DeanHenderson.substack.com. Subscribe to it tonight, dear listener. Um, final question then. I'm not being silly when I ask this. I, I think from looking back over certain newspaper archives, because I subscribe to the New York Times and the Washington Post for the show so I can grab articles because you've got to pay to, to subscribe to them. Um, it was in 2021 that Biden's cognitive issues um, came to the fore. I'm not saying he was perfect before then. Now, some of our listeners would say that I'm crazy to entertain the idea that Joe Biden would have been given a real COVID job. But maybe he was. Do you think there's, there's any possibility that Biden's careering downhill at uh, a rate of knots might somehow have something to do with having a jab, or maybe not. I think that's a really interesting question, for sure. And, I mean, if they just need him for a little while, which is what it looks like, that would be the perfect uh, thing to do. Yeah, it could, it, just be, me. could just be senility, and, of course, it could be. Um, thank be. Jill, by the way, for doing the um the, the the hard yards with the website yeah. i mentioned we'll yeah, yeah she's sure. an amazing lady I, I mentioned um dean henderson left hook.wordpress.com which i every other day i robbed stuff from it and i, <laughs> I well i didn't yeah. well when i say robbed i would look for facts to use in yeah, monologues yeah. and stuff like that uh, it was a fantastic website so for that to be um re you know to be revitalized or, or brought back Wonderful, and it's going to be on deanhenderson.substack.com. Great to have you back today, pal. That went far too quickly, so come back right. whenever you want. I'll give hey, you the great. final word as I always do, and um, hey. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, great, Richie. I really enjoyed talking with you again. I always do. Um, always good to touch base. Uh, you know, support Richie, man, too, and his show because this is the best radio we got out there in the whole wide world. And um, you know, I don't know, just grateful. Uh, that happy as a friend and uh you know that you found my my stuff somewhere along the way and um grateful we can kind of be comrades and uh in arms you know and just uh keep up the fight brother and and uh appreciate you having me you can uh go to my sub stack um my books are also at amazon just type in dean henderson amazon you can get to my books directly but i really appreciate you having me on brother and uh just keep keep up the good work man thanks dean and you too and and, and bye for now and folks illuminati agenda 21 
um, Royal Bloodline, Wetico and The Great Remembering, Big Oil and Their Bankers uh, in the Persian Gulf. All of these books do go to Amazon. If you haven't read Dean before, pick up a couple of books. You'll be supporting a brilliant researcher and writer. And also subscribe to deanhenderson.substack.com. Great to have our old pal back on the programme this afternoon. It's exactly... Uh, he says, eight minutes to the top of the hour. Thanks for the comments as it came in during the conversation. Um, by the way, I really appreciate them. Andrew has been in touch. Andrew reckons Dean sounds like Kevin Bacon. That's not a bad shout now, Andrew. That's not a bad shout. There is a bit of a similarity there. I'll give you that, yeah. G-Man reckons the election will be cancelled due to more or it'll be so obvious to the normie that it's rigged. That's G-Man. Kay says, Richie, this is brilliant about spirituality. I would love for you to do more programmes about this. Thanks, Kay. Me too, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, And Anne um, also agreed with Jean Anne's question about the spirituality element of all of this. Funnily enough, Dean says thanks for discovering his material along the way. It was actually David Icke who said to me in London in 2013, we were scrambling around not scrambling but we were I when I say we me and my production team I had a production team of three people we were sitting around talking about prospective guests and David was very good at not um you know not not um getting involved he was good at letting the producers do the producing and what have you but he said to me over a beer he said you should um think about looking at Dean Henderson he said he's a terrific writer and uh, a really good speaker. So he said, you know, you might have a look at him. So obviously we did. And I didn't realise that Dean had a big readership and he'd been doing um, serious talk radio in America, Jeff Rents and, and Nuri. And I think Dean did some stuff with Alex back in the day. I'm sure he did as well. And uh, a friendship was born. Yeah, terrific. Absolutely terrific writer. And, uh, and a great guy to boot, so he is. I've just about got time, I think, to tell you about Sunday Morning Melodies. That's right, which is a music program uh, airing every Sunday on this channel, by the way. Every Sunday at 10 a.m. UK time. And it's got a lovely song jingle that I don't play often enough. Sunday morning melodies with the BBD on I just do not give that an airing often enough. That's the jingle. Yeah, I love that. Sunday morning melodies. And I've got some music already. Collated, curated, gathered, ready for for Sunday morning. So that's at 10 to 12 noon Sundays on richieallen.co.uk, the app for the programme. Can I reiterate this, by the way? If you're outside of the United Kingdom, it might tell you the app isn't available in your country. That is commonplace. But on the very same app store, you will be able to download a VPN, a virtual private network, which enables you to, to to search the internet invisibly. Nobody else can watch what you're doing. And that enables you to, to, to then download things that were not previously available in your country. So download the app using a VPN. I'll tell you what I use a VPN for. There are times when I want to watch something on the RTE player. That's the Irish National Broadcaster, right? So I go to rte.ie. Now, without a VPN, it will tell me 
the 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 sport or the 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 news isn't available or the program is not available in my country, which is England. I'm in the UK at the moment. But if I go on a VPN, it fools the RTE website, and I get to to uh, to read or watch whatever I bloody well like. I like what I watch, and I watch what I bloody well like with my VPN kind of a thing. So there you are, right. That's all I've got to say to you. Thanks so much again to Dean Henderson. We've had some really, really top guests on the programme this week. Don't forget, if you missed anything, if you missed anything, you go to richieallen.podomatic.com or find the programme on Spotify, find it on iTunes, listen back to the guests this week. And please remember this. Please, please, please remember this. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. On richieallen.co.uk, where it says support your show, please support this show financially if you can, and only if you can, because it can't survive without you, okay? I'll speak to you on Sundays, those of you who listen to the music shows, those of you who don't, I'll speak to you this coming Monday. Have a great weekend from your BBG. It's Au Revoir.